fellowshipping with Jehovah Java, the Lord that awakens me. And so I'm caffeinated in Christ and ready to rock and roll this morning. I hope that you're ready to receive the word of God today. Anybody ready to receive the word today? You are not here by accident this morning and you're not online by accident this morning. God's got an assignment this morning. He's got something that he wants you to hear today. I think that today will be one of the most important messages that we have preached in the last, I don't know how long, and it's going to be one of the most important messages that you can hear today, pardon me, in the last week anyway, yeah, no, this even goes beyond that, as awesome as last Sunday was. Last Sunday we kicked off a series, I want to welcome you all, welcome you online that are watching, thank you for being with us today. Uh, last week we started a series that we're calling It's Complicated, and it's about relationships. How many of you know that sometimes relationships can get complicated? Anyone discovered that? Anyone found that out? I love it when I hear Christians say, we're, we're Christians, we believe in Jesus, everything's going to work out fine. If you mean that fine is like your wife might say, fine, and you know when it's fine, it's not fine, and everything's just going to work out fine, well, sometimes it doesn't all work out fine, amen? And, and, and so when we're talking about relationships, and, and last week... The complication of relationships, I mentioned this to you. My very first relationship, I was either in second or third grade. I had a friend who told me I needed a girlfriend. And I thought I kind of would like that, but I was still in the girlitis stage of, of life that, you know, if, you, if a girl touched you, you got girlitis. And, and so this kid told me I need to have a girlfriend. And I was like, well, I've never had one. How do you get one? And he, he had it all figured out. He said, I want you to write a note. Uh, and he showed me how to write it, told me what to do. And, and you know, the, the note said this, you know, I like you. If you like me, circle yes. If you don't, circle no. Shoved it in her desk. And she said Yes. Put it in my desk. I read the note. I was so excited. I went back and I told my friend. I said, she said yes. And I'll tell you, this is the God's honest truth. Two things. Number one, if you put a gun to my head, I could not even tell you who that was. But secondly, that was the last time I ever had any communication with that girl at all. Because relationship just got really complicated after that. It's like, well, what do I do next? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And we kind of looked at each other, and it was odd and awkward and all those other things. I don't know if you can relate. And I think that we all understand that complicated, that relationships get complicated or far more complicated the older that we get. Amen? And so in that vein of writing a note, I've got a couple of things for you this morning. Would you go ahead and put that first note up there? This is written by Rachel. And she said, Sean, I'm breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out. That could have been me. Exactly. And that was three months ago. <laughs> you need to get it together or you will never get married. And that would be sad. You should get married, just not to me. <laughs> Some of you are wishing you'd have wrote that note. All right, the next one. Brock, there's a theme here. Brock, why do you not talk to me? We have relationship problems. I don't want, it to, I don't want to get a divorce, <laughs> but we might have to. I am so sorry, Paige. This next one, I like this one. From Delandre to Crystal, I'm breaking up with you. P.S. Happy anniversary, though. One month. After that, it's really hard to do. <laughs> it's like, man, mixed emotions and mixed feelings. But this next one is, is my favorite one. This is, this is an adult one. Please, stop fighting. Everyone can hear you. Everyone knows your personal business, and I am embarrassed for you. Some of us need to work in the morning and cannot listen to you bicker every night, so please, stop arguing. Keep it down. Go fight in your car or break up already. Love the building. 
2 a.m. <laughs> Relationships can get kind of complicated at times. And, and as simple as they might start out and as, as much as we might enjoy different parts of it, I think we all have experienced that and we understand that. And it's kind of cute and it's kind of funny when it's kids that are, that are a part of, of, you know, that whole thing. And, and I remember one time feeling really bad and somebody, because of a breakup or whatever it might be, and somebody said, well, it's just puppy love. And somebody else said, yeah, but it's real to the puppy. And how many of you know that, that, that regardless of how that pain, regardless of how maybe that breakup, that separation, whatever it might be, regardless of how it came about or the circumstances or your age, when you become physically or emotionally invested, I should say physically, but emotionally invested in a relationship and that relationship breaks down, there can be some hurt feelings and there can be some feelings of rejection and pain and all that. And I think all of us have experienced that. And this morning... I wanted to, to start with that laughter because it might be the last time you laugh this morning for a while. Because I need to share some things with you that are difficult to say and difficult to hear. Because I know that this pain is really deep and it's really real for a lot of people. And it is this pain that stops us sometimes from, from God's best in our life. God working through us. God helping us to reach our community and our friends and, and our loved ones. In the book of Psalms, chapter 55, it says this. It wasn't an enemy who taunted me. And the word taunted simply means this. It's, it's to be slandered. It, it means to be betrayed. Somebody had broken trust is what he's really saying here. This is David, and he's writing this. And actually, scholars disagree a little bit, but they, most scholars would say that this is when Absalom, his son, was, was leading a revolt over the kingdom. He divided and he split the kingdom. And really, he's referring to a, a trusted advisor that David had. His name is Ahithophel. And Ahithophel was a guy who came to him, and, 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 and there, there was counsel all the, often about how he should handle different affairs in the kingdom. And his kingdom was being divided. And David utters these words. He writes these words. It wasn't an enemy who taunted me. It was my, it, it, if it was my enemy filled with pride and hatred, then I could have endured it. I would have just run away. But it was you, my intimate friend, one like a brother to me. It was you, my advisor, the companion I walked with and worked with. We once had sweet fellowship with each other. We worshiped in unity as one celebrating together with God's people. And this illustrates a, a truth that I know that we all know that the closer the relationship, the deeper the relationship, the more intimate the relationship is, the greater the pain that is involved when something goes wrong. And I think that it's important to see even that last line, we worship in unity as one celebrating together with God's people. I am amazed at times how these feelings, these these. These different things happen in the body of Christ. You would think that if anybody would be immune, it is the people who know the love of God. It is people who have experienced and tasted how good God is, and yet we let things get into our life that bring division, that bring harm, and that bring hurt. And so I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning because I know that we have all felt this pain, and this pain that happens when we, <laughs> it is what complicates relationship to the point that it's like, I don't ever want to get in a, 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 at least an intimate relationship. I, I can't trust another person. And it affects us in our marriages. It affects us with our coworkers. It affects us in the church, the body of Christ. It affects us in our communities. And we, and, and we tend to step back from relationship. We tend to step back from those things that perhaps would bring life to us. 
that perhaps would be God working in our life through another person, but we refuse it. In the book of Psalm, or Proverbs chapter 16, it says, an evil man sows. That means plants seeds. We're, many of you are in the gardening phase right now. You're, you're getting seed. Well, you've already got seeds going probably. They, they, they were a month ago or, or, or so, but, but you're, we're, we're kind of in that planting season. And that's what, that's what the book of Proverbs is telling us here. Uh, an evil man sows strife. That's, that's what Ahithophel was doing. He was sowing strife, but notice the phraseology says it's like a seed. It's just something small. It's just a word. It's just a look. It's just a glance. It's just an action. It's just a misunderstanding, but it's a seed. And he says again, an evil man sows strife, gossip, words. Words are the seeds. Actions are the seeds. Notice this, gossip separates the best of friends. It starts as a seed. It starts small. It starts as something that sneaks up on you. It starts as a feeling. It starts as somebody scratching a wound or something happening, a misunderstanding. Somebody says one thing and we think they mean something else or somebody emails you or texts you and you're not sure how to take it and because maybe the frame of mind that you're in, you take it in a negative way. What did they mean by that? Nothing. (laughs) Just the way you interpreted it. Just the way that you read it. Offenses are the seed of separation. I wish I had to come up with that, but I didn't. Offenses are the seeds of separation. Offenses are like seeds that, that it says in the book of Proverbs, a, a person is going to sow strife. He's going to sow strife through gossip, through words, through actions, through deeds, through all kinds of different things. They are the seed of separation. This is going to be so important for us today and where we are as a culture, as a nation, as a body of Christ. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. Everybody say it's impossible. Do you know what he's saying here? It's impossible. He is telling you, and he's telling me, he's telling his disciples, by extension, he's telling all of us, it is impossible to live a life without the potential to be offended. Getting quiet in here today. How many of you know that's true? How many of you have ever had the opportunity to be offended? (laughs) Actually, right now, Pastor, you've offended me already. Jesus said it's impossible to live an offense-free life. It is, if you're going to live this life, the opportunity to be offended is going to be presented to you. But Jesus went on and he said this, but woe to him. Don't we love the woes of Jesus? It's not in song from whoa, whoa. It's not that. It's like whoa, <laughs> oh. Woe to him through whom they do come. That's right. That, awesome, that awful person, that mean person, they said this, and it offended me. I saw on Instagram that, they, that they, they had a party, and they didn't invite me. I'm offended. It hurts my feet. I didn't even want to go to the stupid party, but I at least wanted to have the opportunity to say no. Now I'm offended. I got my feelings hurt. I watched something on the news and it made me mad. I heard a song and there was a thing in the song that is so right because it speaks to evil in this nation and so many people are so stupid. 
If they would just stop doing and saying and acting in that way, then I wouldn't be offended. And Jesus said, guess what? That's impossible. What he did say, don't be the one. Don't be the one through whom the offense is going to come. But he also said it's impossible to you for you to live in this life and not to be offended. And I've got news for you this morning. 2020 was an offensive year. Anyone? I mean, I'm just offended at the whole year. I, I have never lived through a year like 2020 in pastoring a church. And I know that many of you have never lived through a year like we lived through in 2020. I've said it many times that that year affected everybody. Everything about that year affected all of us, but it affected all of us differently based on a lot of different things, a lot of different factors, whether it's how old our children were, the color of our skin, the, the, the politics that we believed in, whatever it is, it affected all of us. And Jesus said, it's impossible that you will not have the opportunity to be offended, but make sure you're not the offensive one. Make sure you're not the one who's planting the seed that will bring separation. Aren't you, don't you like my warming up part this morning? Wait until we start to get into the actual message part. This nation, I'll just be honest, this church, more politically divided than it's ever been. The pandemic and our response, not the pandemic itself, but our response to it. Whether you believe in masks and double masking and hazmat suits or whether you think it's all a scamdemic, it's been divisive. It's been offensive. It has given license to people to be mean. It's given license to people to be ugly towards one another. Pastor Steph was telling me this was last fall, I think it was. She was walking into a convenience store putting on her mask and there was a woman who was standing by the door smoking a cigarette going, sheep, sheep. Sheep. She wanted to say, the way your voice sounds, your lungs must be pretty raspy. I'm not sure you're going to be here much longer. But that would be unkind. I heard, a, I heard an audio of a gentleman, a person, a pregnant mom who was not wearing a mask, and he attacked her. And he began to talk to her, and he began to say, don't you care? You are so selfish. You're the one who's spreading. I mean, it's just like, are you kidding me? Now, I get that when it's sinners. I get that when it's people outside the body of Christ. But when it happens inside the body of Christ, woe to you. Woe to me. <laughs> Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. We have a racial divide in this country that refuses to be healed. And we're not even talking about the home, the place it's supposed to be, the place of refuge, the place of safety. And some of you have faced abuse and you've faced words and you've faced physical things against you in the place that should have been the safest place. And we've carried these things and these things weigh us down. They weighed us down so that we can't run with the purpose or the passion that God has for us. We are so self-consumed and we are so self-righteous and so high and mighty that we cannot hear the voice of the Spirit of God. And we divide it into our little camps. 
Jesus talked about this. They actually, that word offense, and in Luke chapter 17 and verse 1, where he says, he says, be careful about offenses. The word offense, I know some of you know this, it is the Greek word scandalon. We get the word scandal <clears throat> or scandalized from it, but it refers to the part of a, of a trap, whether it's a, a snare or a mouse trap, but the part of the trap where the bait gets set. If it was a mouse trap, you'd you know pull the spring back and you'd have that little thing. You put some peanut butter or cheese or whatever it is, you'd, or cheese and peanut butter there. You you would put that. You wouldn't put bacon there because everybody likes bacon, and and you, we don't want to waste that on a rat or a mouse. So anyway, but you would put something there so that so that the animal, whatever it is you're trying to trap or snare, would come to take the food, take the bait, and then that trap snaps. That's the idea of what an offense is. <clears throat> to be presented an offense is to be presented with a trap, if you will. To be presented with an opportunity to be snared. The idea is that there is someone or something that has laid a snare for you, laid a trap for you, and the bait that is in that trap is the bait of offense. To be offended. And I got to... <laughs> An offense, you might want to write this down, remember it, take a picture of it, get the notes online, whatever it is, but an offense is an event. An event is an event. Something happens. Somebody says something. Somebody does something. We realize something. We, we discover something. They're cheating on me. Your dad walked out on you. That's, that's an event. But to be offended is a decision. To be offended is to choose to pick it up. I mean, have you ever heard the phrase nursing a grudge? You gotta nurse it. You gotta, you gotta feed it. You gotta, <laughs> you need to keep kind of rehearsing it over and over and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and pretty soon that grudge begins to take over your life. It begins to take over your thought life. It begins to take over your words. It begins to take over your interests and your passions and that's all you can talk about is the grudge that you're carrying. And this is dangerous, but it's the day that we live in. To be presented or to have something happen to you, that's an event. The offense is the event, but being offended is a choice that you make. So Pastor Brian has some wisdom for you this morning. Don't take the bait. And I don't know why this is so much easier to see in other people than it is in ourselves, but this is one of those. Because we don't realize when or where we've been offended because we're right. Let me say that again. We don't realize that we're carrying offense because in our thinking, in our opinion, in our mind, we're the right ones. And that becomes a barrier to us. It becomes a barrier to God working in our life, at least to the extent that he wants to work in our lives. Listen to this. In, in, in Matthew chapter 24, and this is why I'm so passionate this morning about this. It's a subject that for years I've looked at and, and, and tried to tried to build into my life. God, keep me free from being offended. Keep me free from attitudes that stop you. Because this is a trap. This is a trap. This will take you. Offense is not the end. Offense is the beginning. To be offended is not the end of something. It is the start of something. 
When I carry an offense, it isn't just the end, well, I'm offended and, and now we're no longer friends. It's the beginning of something. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24. I, I'll just tell you this. Being offended, offense will take you someplace that you don't want to go. Offense will keep you in bondage to things you don't want to be in bondage to. And you will build barriers and you will build fences and you will build things around you to protect you and say that will never happen again. But eventually those barriers to protect you become a wall that separates you from your friends. It separates you from other people. It separates from you from people that are, are believers. You have something in you that other people need and it will separate you from them. And ultimately it will separate you from your God. Listen to this. And then many will be offended. Jesus is, what, show us some signs of the end. When, when, when are you coming back? Jesus said, you know what? People are going to be offended. Now, I think, that's every, I think that's every generation, but it is the day. Actually, this is yesterday. Many are going to be offended. There are a million things to be offended about today. A million. Maybe even a bazillion. And if you miss them, there will be people that will help you to, to know what you should be offended about. I'm not kidding. Many will be offended. But remember, offense is an event. To be offended is a decision. You don't have to take offense. Then many will be offended and will betray one another. It's like Psalms 55. Man, I, I trusted you. I, I married you. I worked for you. We went into partnership together. I thought you were my friend, but you've betrayed me. Notice, it isn't the person who does the offending, it's the person who's been offended. It leads to betrayal. Leads, leads to betrayal, and they will hate one another. That's today. Democrats hate Republicans. Republicans hate Democrats. Trump supporters hate Biden supporters. Biden supporters hate Trump supporters. People who wear masks hate people who don't wear masks. White hate black. Black hates brown. Asians hate whoever they hate. I didn't think I'd go there. We'll go there. Because this is real stuff. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> We're Joy Christian Center. A family church. Teaching people to reach this world that we've got to reach. And we cannot allow these stupid little things. Yeah, but you don't understand how I felt. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you didn't get the promotion because somebody else that didn't deserve it got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that they walked out on you. They should have never done that. I'm sorry. That's an event. And if we don't deal with this, if we don't take care of it, if we don't do some heart checkups, this path, this journey, and we're not even done with it yet because this ultimately is the enemy's strategy. Again, he says, many will be offended. That's the seed. That's the beginning. They will betray one another, and they will end up hating one another. It starts with a seed. Hatred starts with a seed. Hatred starts with a seed. So much hate in the world. Well, quit planting the seeds. Then what happens? False prophets will arise and deceive many. And I'm just going to tell you right now that false prophets are on every single news station, even your favorite one. 
And whatever your favorite one is, they're there. And guess what? There are false prophets in your music too. Unless it's Christian music. And even there sometimes, God, yeah, well, I'm not so sure about that doctrinal thought. It doesn't matter if it's hip-hop, rap. It doesn't matter if it's country. It doesn't matter if it's classic oldies. It doesn't really matter. The false prophets are there. There are false prophets in our social media that are encouraging you. And guess what? You and I are the consumers. With every click, with every like, with every share, we are encouraging more and more and more and more. Because clicks equals likes equals money. I said this to you that there's a, I was reading it with some marketing ideas. The marketing idea just basically said this, that attention is the new currency. Advertisers, if they can get your attention, if, if, if a YouTuber can get your attention, if somebody can get you to like something, that eventually translates to money. And so the more extreme that it is, the more clicks it's going to get. The more inflammatory that it is, the more clicks it's going to get. Our false prophets, the false prophets are everywhere. False prophets, just because they have a big platform does not mean that they're not a false prophet. It does not mean that they're sowing seeds of discord. They're sowing seeds of offense. They're sowing seeds of division. And so notice again that he says, many false prophets will rise. They will deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound. When I read this, I was like, I was right. A few months ago, this has been my saving grace. Over the last year, the experts agree. I just smile at people when I'm hearing something that I may disagree with. I just say, you know what? Experts agree. Yeah, but don't you? Experts agree. And for me, it was this thought. It says uh, that, that there was a time in Israel's history that they had no king, and the people did what was right in their own sight. Israel didn't have a king, and so there was no final authority. There was no final word. There was no reigning power, and because of that, they divided into little tribes. They divided into segments, and they all gathered leaders to themselves because there was no final word and no authority, and they ended up doing what was right in their own sight, and that's the day I think that we are in right now. We all have gathered into our little tribes. We've gathered into our little beliefs, and we've assembled leaders to ourselves that will tell us what we want to hear, and we enter in with a potential is there to enter into deception except for the people that you listen to. This is easier to see in others than it is to see in us. If the word of God is not your platform, if the spirit of God is not your guide, you're subject to being deceived. You're subject to following this path to its ultimate end. Many will be offended. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. False prophets will rise up. They will deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's the destination. The destination is a heart that is hard, a heart that is unresponsive to the love of God. And God is love. And when my heart becomes unresponsive to love, my heart becomes unresponsive to God. Oh, I might sing a song about Jesus, and I might go to church, and I might smile, but there's a separation between between me and God. There's a separation between me and the Spirit of God because there's a part of my heart that's gone cold. And we need to be careful. You and I need to be careful. We need to guard our heart. We need to guard our minds. If you're a guest today, please come back next yeah. week. 
The enemy's plan is for your heart to get cold. The enemy's desire is for you to not care about anybody else but you or people who agree with you because your experts agree. <laughs> you know, the enemy doesn't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. He doesn't care if you voted for Trump or if you voted for Biden. He doesn't care if you're white or black or red or yellow or brown. He does not care. All he wants to do is to divide. And he will use anything that he can to divide. If you want to save the planet and you want other people want to throw something out the window, he's going to do he want he doesn't care. He just wants you to divide. Yeah, but you do. He just wants you to divide. He just wants you to cause he just wants to use you to cause division. We get prideful. We get huffed up. Well, I tell you, I, I didn't like the way they looked at me. I didn't like that song they sang today. Why does it have to be so loud? How come it's not louder? How come it's so long? Why isn't it longer? People complain about the length of the worship service. One pastor said, one time to me, I wish I could have said this. Worship needs to be longer. The pastor looked and said, if you came on time, it would be longer. The last time they came to church. No, I don't know. <laughs> if you can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> Our self-righteousness blinds us at times. We need hearts that are open. We need hearts that are transparent before God. Amen, Pastor Brian. It happens in families. Husbands love to play video games more than they love their wives. Moms, wives, they love their kids more than they, they'll do more for their kids than they will for their husband. We separate. We're offended. You forgot my birthday. You know how important those events are. I thought you were going to, but you said this, and you did that, and you meant this. And we have all of these things that begin to, begin to build up on our life, and they become a weight that weigh us down. And eventually, seeds, seeds, seeds of offense lead to separation. It starts with offense. There are offenses that we pick up. There's offenses that we pick up. Things happen to us. Somebody says something. And it strikes something in us. It picks at something in us. But there are other offenses that are put on you. Abuse. You went to somebody's house and you thought it was just going to be something and something happened in that house. And it was supposed to be a place of protection and now there's shame because of what you're feeling. Somebody that you trusted, somebody walked out, somebody did something. And it was something that was, something that was put on you. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the hope of the gospel, the hope of the good news, the hope of what Jesus did is that whether it was something you picked up or something that was put on you, you can lay it down today. You can let go of it today. There's a scripture in the book of Psalms that says that my, that my shame and my guilt was a burden that was too heavy to bear. And it's where the enemy has many people. We're afraid to let people know. We're afraid to reach out. We're afraid to talk. We're afraid to be transparent. We're afraid of those things that we've held on to them because of shame or because of guilt or because, frankly, we like being offended. We like the idea that we're a victim. And we can use that. Phew. 
Bible tells us in John chapter 10 and verse 10 that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy has an agenda. The enemy has a desire. He wants to bring destruction into your life in whatever way, shape, or form he can, whether it is financial destruction, whether it's relational destruction, whether it's physical destruction, whatever it is, he wants to destroy. That is his plan. And I would think that you and I don't want the enemy to destroy us, amen? We don't want our finances destroyed. We don't want our health destroyed. We don't want relationships destroyed, amen? Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. So on the one hand, the enemy wants to bring destruction. On the other hand, Jesus said it's impossible for the devil to do it. I was sitting in a meeting several years ago, and this person kept saying over and over again about how many times the devil had split churches, and the devil did this, and the devil did that, and I finally had enough, and I said, guess what? Jesus, unless Jesus is a liar, Jesus said the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. I'm here to tell you that the devil never split one church. It was Christians who listened to the devil that split the church. It's about to get real here in this house this morning. It's so complicated. You know what? I have a little tagline. It's complicated, but it doesn't have to be. It's complicated. I've said this many, 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 many times. Christianity is simple. It's just not easy. It's simple, just not easy. Oh, where do I want to go? So the devil's agenda is to destroy. But the strategy that he uses is division. Isn't it interesting that in, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam was there by himself and God, and they walked in the cool of the day, and then later when Eve showed up and they were joined together, they were one flesh, and it says that, that, they, you know, that, they, that they were naked and they were not ashamed. It's more than just physical nakedness. There was an intimacy there. There was a, there was a, a, a revealing of, uh, of themselves to each other. And it was at that moment that the devil showed up. When there was unity to a deep degree, then the enemy showed up. And the enemy will always fight unity. It doesn't matter if it's unity in a church, unity in a, in a home, unity in a business, or unity in a country. The enemy will always attack unity. He wants to destroy. Why would he not want to destroy this nation? Because it's one of the most generous nations. It is one of the nations that, but whereby much of the missions goes out from this nation. Why would he not want to destroy? And he really doesn't care whether it's this nation or some other nation. He just, that is, is his M.O., his mode of operation he wants to destroy. And division is one of his chief ways. It is his chief strategy. But the tactic that he uses to divide, the tactic that he uses is offense. The seed of separation. And so, <laughs> wow. Part two is going to happen next week. Amen. And if we're not here next week, then we know you were offended, so I apologize. <laughs> no, but, that just hurt my feelings. <laughs> Pastor John's not here. <laughs> uh, Pastor John said he's not going to be here next week. I forgot about that. <laughs> How many of you love Jesus? Amen. How many of you want to be a better follower of Jesus? Amen. I have so many more things that I want to say to you this morning that I've, obviously I just don't have time to. Most of you have a communion. Pat, can you come out here? I don't know where you're at. Give me a little talking music, please. I, uh, I know that a message like this is hard to hear. But I know it's so important and so vital. You know, one of the reasons that 2020 kicked our tails, perhaps, mine, is that sometimes we, 
we forget about the fundamentals of Christianity. We forget about the fundamentals of Christianity, or we've never learned the fundamentals. I remember, as a, and I'm not a great baseball player, but I played high school baseball and played a lot of softball and stuff, and I remember hearing, having drills that we would do to work on fundamentals. And, and because the word fundamental has the word fun in it, I thought it would be fun. <laughs> but it was more mental than it was fun. But the idea of a fundamental is something that is so basic if you're a pitcher, there are pitching mechanics. If you're a runner, there are mechanics that you follow. If you're, if you're a, a, a piano player, I shared with you last week the idea that I learned to play the piano. I taught myself how to play the piano, but I taught myself to play the piano wrong. And if you learn it wrong, you live it wrong. If you learn it wrong, in the pressure moments of life, you will revert back to what is comfortable. The same thing in the body of Christ. The same thing as a Christian. If we don't learn the fundamentals, and see, this is what we thought, is that Jesus came into our life to make us just a little bit better than we were before, to make us a kinder, gentler person. No, he came to make you a new creation. He came to, he came to start, start, give you a brand new life on the inside, and so that from that life, everything else would flow. That's what, he did. That's what he's trying to do. But we still have stinking thinking. We still have emotions. We still have the feelings and the thoughts from the old life, which is why Paul said we need to renew the way that we think so it matches who we are. Well, that's just the way I am. No, it's not. You're a child of God. Yeah, well, my dad was angry. My mom was angry. My grandpa was angry. You don't have to be angry. In fact, you could be the one that stops that line of anger in your family because you're a new creation in Christ and the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so you're not who you used to be if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. And so the, the fundamentals are so vital and so important. If we use the Lord's Prayer as, as, a, as a basis of some of the fundamentals of Christianity, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Worship is fundamental to the children of God. It is worship that will change the atmosphere around you. It is worship that will bring the presence of God to wherever you are. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There is nobody who is like you. You are so great. You are so powerful. You are so worthy. And worship leads us right into prayer. Prayer is a fundamental, and it isn't trying to get God to do something or let go of something that he doesn't want to. Prayer is you aligning yourself with the kingdom of God and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It is you getting instruction, getting your marching orders. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, is there a place or an area that I can be the one who does your will? Generosity is a fundamental God gave, and because we receive from him, we in turn give. And whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, whether it's your treasure, whatever it is, generosity is a fundamental. And forgiveness is a fundamental. And it's because of this right here. This right here. This right here. And I would love to just pass go and collect $200 this morning in this, in this thought. 
And I prayed about this because I know some of you are carrying offense. Some of you are harboring bitterness. Some of you have been so wronged and so betrayed, betrayed and it is so deep in your heart that it hurts. And hearing these words hurts. And there's a part of you on the inside that's like, I know you're right. I need to let it go, but I can't. I'm not ready yet. When the disciples came to Jesus and Peter said, hey, how many times should I forgive somebody? He said, Peter's like, I'll, I'll proud of himself, you, you know, the, the fake humility, like, you know, seven times? And Jesus is like, <laughs> no, seven times 70. You see, it isn't, a, <laughs> we like to keep score. It's not keeping score, it's losing count. And then the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. Forgiveness is, an emotion, is not an emotion. Forgiveness is something that requires faith. But I'm not going to ask you to forgive right now. This is, how, this is what I want you to do. Some of you may be ready. That'd be great. Man, you can get free this morning. That's awesome. But here's what I want you to pray. I don't want to, but I want to want to. Lord, I know that it's right. This is a trap that I've stumbled into. This is a trap that I didn't intend to set, but I've been trapped and I've been bound and I have these feelings and this hurt and it will not go and I can't trust another person. I can't let go of those things that happened to me, but God, I want to let go of them. Let that be your prayer this morning, God. I don't want to because the offense is so deep. And I have people in my corner. It's kind of the prophet thing that will deceive many. There's a platform that's out there that I've been listening to. And they're filling, my, they're filling my thoughts with all kinds of things. And I think they're right. They may be right. But I'm telling you this morning, you will ne never get heaven's blessings. You will never get heaven's blessings. You will never get he heaven's blessings by responding according to this earth's way of responding. So. What can wash away my sin? Not one thing, but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ is the equalizer. Whatever you've done, whatever has been done to you, all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And rather than looking at the person who offended you, the person who said that about you, look to Christ, look to Jesus, look to the author and the finisher of our faith. Right here. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, we're going to receive the bread first. Father, we thank you for the bread that represents the broken body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I know that they were... I know, Father... That there's hurt here, there's pain here, there's real stuff, deep stuff, big stuff. But Father, we know that you gave bread so that we could have life. You gave bread so that we could have strength. You gave bread to us that would be healing. Your body was broken, your body was beaten so that we could have life and so that we could have healing. And so, Father, as we receive this bread together, receive that bread. As we receive this bread together, Heavenly Father, we receive life, we receive strength. And Father, we thank you for this cup that we hold in our hand. We know that this cup represents the shed blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We know he was beaten, he was stricken. He was lied about. He was accused he was betrayed, yet he loved. 
And so, Father, we this morning ask you, first of all, to forgive us. Forgive us. We're waiting for an apology from somebody else, but Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for letting our hearts get cold. Forgive us for closing our hearts off from those people that need your love. Forgive us for words that we've said, ways that we've acted, attitudes that we've projected. Forgive us, Lord. We've sown seeds of separation. Whether through ignorance or willfully, Father, we ask you to forgive us. And Father, we know that you will. We know that you will. As you said, if we would confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Lord, we receive together this cup. Let's receive together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed and nobody looking around, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Savior, that's the beginning. That's the way out. If you've never made Jesus your Savior but you want to today, would you let me pray with you? Just hold your hand up real high and say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus my Savior. I don't even know what all that means, but I know I need a Savior. Would you please pray with me? Anyone at all? Second. If you're here today, and I'm going to commit to you this morning, first of all, and I'm praying for you, each one of you, this morning, every day, or this week, every day, because I know this is so real, but I don't want you to necessarily raise your hand, but I want you to hold this thought in your heart right now, if this is you. That person, or words, action, whatever it is that has caused that deep pain. I want you to just sort of picture it right now. Heavenly Father, as we picture those things in our mind, whether it, whatever it is, Father, when we picture those things in our mind, I think that right now we can, we can see that beginning to get smaller and smaller. We can see it dissipating. We can see it dissolving. We can see it almost becoming invisible. Because, Father, there's a brightness that shines from your throne. There's a brightness that shines from your countenance. There's a brightness that shines from your presence. And, Father, I thank you that in the face of your presence, all of those other things begin to disappear. And so, Lord, while we can't let them go right now, I ask you to help us. I ask you to help us help our want to. Lord, we want to let it go. We, we understand and know that it is a trap that we've fallen into. But, Lord, we want to be free from that trap. And so, Father, we ask you right now to begin that work. I ask you to begin that work in the heart and in the life of every single person. And, Father, that that image will begin to dissolve and get smaller and smaller. The stronghold will be broken, and it will be torn down by the Spirit of God. And I thank you, Father, that your light and your life will shine forth in such a way that it will break them free. And, Father, there will be a new life and a new joy and a new rejoicing in their heart and in their mind, and their countenance will be different, and their walk will be different because they're no longer burdened. But, Heavenly Father, they'll lift up the hands that were hanging down and they'll put on a garment of praise and father they'll rejoice because you alone have liberated them and set them free and i thank you for that in the mighty name of jesus amen 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 god bless you joy christian center thank you so much for being here we love you have a great day and we hope to see you next week god bless